0: Generation Church, based in the beautiful Rex Theater in the heart of downtown Pensacola, Florida. Our hope is that today's teaching will encourage and equip you to be firm in faith, to fulfill the call of God in your life, and to finish well. Grab your Bible, open up your notes app, and let's dive in. I was walking one day with my son when he was little, and we stepped on an anthill. A lot of ants died, and I wanted to teach him a lesson I said, wouldn't it be wonderful if we could go down there and crawl among them and tell them we really didn't mean to do this and help them rebuild their house? He said, it sure would, but we're too big and they're too little. I said, that's exactly what happened. God looked upon this little planet, this little speck of dust, and saw these little creatures called men and women who were lost and far from him. But how could they communicate with the mighty God of heaven? God became a man. That's who Jesus Christ was, the God-man. He came for the purpose of dying, to perform the greatest work that anybody had ever done in the history of the world. He came to take our sins, our judgment, our hell on that cross. And when he said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? In that moment that none of us can penetrate, no theologian in the world has been completely able to understand God took all the sins of the world and laid them upon Christ. No wonder the Bible says God so loved the world. Think of such love. They put nails in his hands, a crown of thorns on his brow, and a spike through his feet. And he hung there. People walked by, said he saved others. Why doesn't he save himself and come down from that cross? But if he'd come down from that cross, you and I would never make it to heaven. He stayed there so that you and I could be in heaven and so we can have eternal life and have our sins forgiven. Good morning, guys. What I've just read here is an excerpt of one of the many, many, many sermons preached by the late Billy Graham. And this particular excerpt was from a movie called The Prodigal back in 1983. I remember a few years later, I was eight years old, and I was watching this movie in my church. It was a way that we would gather people who weren't used to going to church, and they could just watch the movie, and then we'd make an an altar call. And as I'm listening, and I'm reaching the end of this movie, and I'm listening to Billy Graham preach these words, something came into me. I had accepted Jesus in my heart when I was five years old. But there was something deeper at work here. And I remember as soon as the movie was over, I couldn't wait to do one thing. I asked my dad for his keys. I grabbed the keys, went into his office. And there, my heart racing, my tears flowing, I repented of all my sins. You say, the sins of an eight-year-old? Come on. But that's the point, isn't it? No matter how small or big the sin, the separation from God is felt and very real. And that evening, I dedicated my life to God in such a way that I've never looked back since. So that's why I wanted to talk about Billy Graham this morning as we explore these heroes of the faith these recent heroes of the faith. We're in this series called Witness, and it's based off of this passage in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, that says this, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. Now, this cloud of witnesses is referring to the heroes of the faith in Hebrews 11, um, going through all these heroes of the faith that were found in the Old Testament. So there is no mention of, of the apostles and any other men and women that, that for up till now have gone before us that are part of this great cloud of witnesses, cheering us on as we are running our race. We have not yet crossed the finish line like they have. And such heroes of the faith like Billy Graham, who was born in 1918 and passed away in 2018. So we read this verse again. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, this is what we are to do, just like they did, Right? Let us also, just like them, this is what they did lay aside every weight and the sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Looking to Jesus, that is the key. Looking to Jesus, the founder and the perfecter of our faith. Very clearly, we have been saying over these last few weeks as we look at these witnesses that we do not follow men we do not follow heroes of the faith we follow christ but along the way we have had companions some of them have gone before us others are still running with us but the ones that have gone before us they have actually been able and they've proven as we looked at their life that they were firm in the faith that they did fulfill the call of god in their life and they they did finish well we haven't finished well yet we're still running but they have and more importantly, these men and women that did this, they pointed to Jesus. I'm reminded of the verse that we mentioned over the last few weeks as well, 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1, that says this, Be imitators of me as I am of Christ. Paul is saying this, and we could be thinking, man, how, how can he say that? But I want to even push this for, further and say, why can't we say that? Because if we're looking to Christ, look at this, Christ is this huge cruise ship, right? And then you have Paul. He's, he's, pretty, he's a lot smaller, but he's something, and we're just kind of an iron, right? We're doing our best. It's kind of a funny joke, but I think we can be more than that iron. We can be useful for the kingdom of God. And so here's the thing. Just like Billy Graham, he wasn't perfect, but he pointed to the one who is. Listen, we aren't perfect, but we can point to the one who is. So as I looked at Billy Graham's life, and I was inspired many times over, and I, I hope that you will be able to be as well. I wanted to start by talking about his early years. Um, and, and really, if you were to characterize his early years, it would be this, that it was all about him discovering his purpose, discovering his purpose in life. Billy Graham, America's pastor, as he was fondly called, started out as the son of a humble farmer in, Char- in Charlotte. As a teenager, he'd gone to church quite a few times. His family believed, um, but really his two loves was baseball and girls, Um, but As he was kind of growing on this farm, he heard about this evangelist, Mordecai Ham, who was in town. And so he decided to go with some friends and listen. And while he was there and he heard the gospel so clearly preached, in that meeting he got convicted of his sins and convinced that he needed Christ. And so he was one of 400 that night to come forward and dedicate his life to Christ. But truly there was a change in his life because from that moment on, all he wanted to do was learn more about the Bible and that led him to, to desire uh, to, to go more by going to a school. And so he went to the Florida Bible Institute. It's the same state as us. While he was there, he actually felt many times quite unqualified. He didn't have the same education as some of these students. But even though he felt unqualified, there was just this deep yearning in him. There was a calling that was definitely birthing inside him. He remembers praying this prayer God, I'll go where you want me to go, and I'll be what you need me to be. I'm yours. Now, let's be honest, how many times maybe some of us who ha- have been going to church, we've said that kind of prayer? Maybe we haven't said it in a while, but we remember we used to say that at a, at a youth camp maybe recently or, or when we were younger, right? And so, have you ever prayed that prayer to actually mean it? Billy Graham, he meant it. God, I'll go where you want me to go. I'll be what you need me to be. I'm yours and we probably meant it too, but then life gets busy, right, and cluttered, and we get distracted by what really doesn't matter. And I want to challenge us this morning to to think about where we are on this race in life, and do we know that we are called? Did you know that you are called? Some here, maybe you, you don't realize that you're called actually to just enter into the family of God. You have not yet done that. But God is calling you to enter into his family. Because of what Jesus did, you can enter into God's family, adopted into his family. And once you do that, you become a part of his kingdom, and you enter into the service of his kingdom. And as you do that, you realize your life, surrendered to Christ, holds an amazing story. A story that looks much like Billy Graham, who at the age of 27, he joined Youth for Christ as an evangelist, and over the next four years, he would travel over a million miles but something was missing. There was still something that was blocking him from truly entering into the call of his life. He was starting, but it was not yet what he needed. And this is why, this is something as I, I looked through his life, I realized, and it really ties in with our purpose statement too, that, that, that he had to learn this, and we need to learn this too, that to appropriately fulfill the call of God in our lives, we must be firm in the faith. You want to fulfill the call of God in your life, you need to be firm in faith the faith. What do I mean by that? You see, in non-essential beliefs, there's liberty. There's some non-essential beliefs where we can agree to disagree, and it's okay. It's not, it's not life-threatening or eternity, eternity-minded, right? But there are essential beliefs in which we must have unity. We must be in agreement on this. At Generation Church, we hold four essential beliefs, and you can actually see this in our website, But four essential beliefs central to the Christian faith. This is undeniable. That number one, the Bible is the word of God. Number two, that Jesus is the son of God. Number three, that salvation is by grace through faith. And number four, that believers can be spirit-filled and spirit-led. And I don't know where you are on your journey, on your race, but there comes a time where we may reach a crisis of faith. And such was the case for Billy early on in his ministry. And what was so incredible is that it had to do with that first one. The Bible is the word of God. He started having doubts. Some of his friends doubted whether or not the scriptures could be entirely reliable. These friends were evangelists like him, who seeing the horrors of the war, World War uh, II, they, they were like, how, how can this be? And they, they fell from the faith. They stopped running. They, they slowed down. They walked. They, they stopped and then they sat by the side or turned away. Maybe you doubt. Let me tell you, the author, the, author, the author is God. The author is the spirit. And the authority and reliability of scripture is vital to your growth, which is why that is where the enemy so naturally attacks there to the veracity of the word of God. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 says this, all scripture, from Genesis to Revelation, all scripture is inspired by God and useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It straightens us out and teaches us to do what is right. God's word is the only completely reliable and truthful authority. But Billy started to have doubts because of what his friends would say, and it disturbed him deeply. Not only that, he ended up being at a crossroads one evening that would carry eternal consequences. At the age of 31, he remembers being in a forest and he walks to a, a, a stump of a tree and he lays his Bible on it. He doesn't even remember where he opened it. Well, it didn't matter. It was more of a symbolic moment. And he puts the Bible there and he's thinking about it and he's talking to God. And at one point he just declares this. He says, Lord, I don't understand everything about this Bible. There are things that I cannot explain, but this is your book. I'm going to accept your word by faith. Just like I accepted your son, by faith. I accept your word by faith. And that was the start of it all. He began, it doesn't mean that after that he was just kind of like, well, I'm just going to choose the best passages and just that's what I'll preach. No, no, no. He had this renewed desire to get into all of the scripture and study it even more in depth. But there was this The reason he could do that is that it wasn't as if he was doubting anything. He had established that this is the word of God and I am accepting it by faith. And so from there on, all the studies that he made revealed by the Holy Spirit, they became alive to him. You have to go through that first step, firm in the faith, firm in the faith on the word of God. And as we see in his life, if you've ever listened to any of his sermons, boy, you can really hear the confidence that he has about Scripture when he booms in his voice, the Bible says. The Bible says. And you know, life throws so much at us that we need, we absolutely need God's words and truth. I think especially even in this post-era, uh, post-COVID era, this this season of life where, you know, for a while we were binge watching, for a while we were on our own, very much isolated. We've become starving. And what is the only thing that can feed us is the word of God. And I believe that we're in a season now where there is a lot of hungry hearts for the word of God. One thing that he said that really spoke to me is that he said, I think every believer should read the Bible at least 30 minutes a day. He's not saying this to pastors. He's not saying this to evangelist he's saying this to every believer that every believer should read the bible at least 30 minutes a day and I was like, man, you know, that's so true and so important. I've read I've the Bible many times over and many ways over, many different ways of doing it. And, and, and I, I noticed recently I was doing it through devotions and I was doing it through, you know, the, the Bible in a year where I'm kind of getting little nuggets here and there. And I, I'm just becoming so hungry right now to just getting into the depth of it all that I, I started what, what, I'm gonna, what, I, what I'm doing now is wanting to get all of Scripture but just choosing a specific passage every day and going through the Pentateuch and going through the historic books and going through the poetic books and going through the prophets and going through the gospels and going through the letters and just growing that way. Weeks after his fresh-found confidence in scripture, he was in Los Angeles for a crusade. And on night three, out of nowhere, these journalists come out and they're intrigued, they they really sense something's going on here, and that's because of this newfound confidence in scripture. He's preaching with authority, and in that moment, these journalists, they start writing all these positive things about him. Overnight, Billy Graham becomes nationally known. He didn't have to do any TikTok dances or any Instagram stories, but how interesting that it was like as if God was waiting. Billy, I want you to be firm in the faith, and I've got great things for you. So I would encourage us and challenge us to really make the reading of God's Word and talking to Him through prayer such a priority. Because when we do that, as we are firm in the faith, then, like Billy, it is time to fulfill the call. So what does it mean to fulfill the call? We've talked about this in length many times over, but I wanted to show you three things um, that I see in, in Billy Graham's life that we can apply to us. The first thing is this to fulfill the call of God in your life, you need to run your race. We say this a lot, actually, to run your race, not your brother's race, not your parents' race. You need to run your race. So see, firm in the faith, Billy Graham, he begins this 60-year journey that will take him behind, beyond his wildest dreams. He started out as a pastor, but realized that wasn't his calling. And so he remembered praying, God, I will go anywhere at any time at any cost to preach the gospel. And God took him at his word and Billy was faithful to run the race set before him. See, he knew his calling. Do you know yours? Look at what he says here. He says, there are millions of people around the world that maybe have never heard of Christ, yet Christ has spoken to their hearts, and they're prepared to listen. Now, let's agree on this. like We are all called to do a, the work of an evangelist. Right? We all have that role to go and make disciples. That is what we are called to do. Once we are in God's family, we become a part of his army, a part of his kingdom, and it is to just lead people to Christ, right? But there is sometimes a specific way. And I love how he says it. He says, and my job is to go and present Christ to those people whose hearts God has prepared. What is your job? Like, I would, I would start there as you're thinking how to fulfill the call of God in your life. Like, Billy is able to say with great assurance, and my job is to, what would you insert at the end of that when it comes to working for the kingdom of God? And my job is to blank. You have a race unique to you do you know it? And if you don't know it, well, have you asked God? Because I know He can't wait to show you. And it may be through steps, but He has a plan for you. And if you're unsure of what it truly is, here's what you can do. You can start small. You can serve faithfully where you are. You can discover your gifts. And as you grow in that way, and that's one thing we encourage through our growth track to help you do that, listen, there's a lot that can detract us we will get distracted. The devil doesn't like us seeing running our race faithfully. We may trip. We may even get jealous of the runners that have gone in front of us. Or we may listen a little too attentively to the voices on the sidelines who are discouraging us. And if we do that, what happens? I was reading Psalm 1 this morning. What happens? You're running your race but once you start hearing these voices, you start to slow down and you end up walking with the wicked. Walk long enough with the wicked, getting distracted, now you're going to stop and you're going to stand with the sinners and you're going to be attracted to that lifestyle and you will start to look to the left and to the right, not looking straight towards Jesus and it'll lead you to go, and, go ahead and sit with the scoffers the same scoffers that mocked you and discouraged you from running your race, now you're part of that group. You are sitting among the scoffers, and you are doing the exact same thing that someone did to you. Thankfully, Jesus offers his hand, and he's the one that takes us. He's the author and perfecter of our faith. He will have us stand up again, and he will have us running again. But listen, we need to stay focused, our eyes on Jesus as we We seek to fulfill the call of God in our life. We do what he's asked us to do. Nothing more, nothing less. Some of us, we're doing more than we should. Others of us, we're not not doing enough. And so just to come always to God in our time with him, as we're reading scripture, as we're talking to him, as we're praying, as we're walking through life with him, Say, God, what's your will for my life? What's your will for me today? Who can I meet today? What's your will for me this week? What's your will for me for the rest of my life? But the thing is, and this is something that I encourage us to pray God, I want to do nothing more, nothing less, but your will. Nothing more, nothing less. That's what it means to run your race. How else can you fulfill the call of God in your life? This choose who you run with. Choose who you run with. We can run with the wrong crowd. We can run with even people that are, that are acting like they're running with us, but they're part of the scoffers that can't wait to take us and drag us down. Choose who you run with. Why? Because the thing is that we can be tempted either to run with the wrong crowd or to just isolate ourselves. We need to remember that the reason we are, we are running together with, with others is that we are part of something bigger than ourselves. I mean, look at Billy. He had all these crusades, and I guarantee you it was a huge endeavor. He absolutely needed to surround himself with a great team. And what was the the sign of a great team? That that these men and women, they wanted to fulfill the call of God in their lives. See, part of what it means to, to run our race is to actually help others run theirs. We're running together. We're running with others. So choose wisely who your companions will be. That doesn't mean that you reject anybody that isn't, but you need to know where you stand. You need to know who are those that are going to push you forward and who are those that you are meant to push forward and who are those that you are just meant to leave because maybe it's somebody else that needs to work in their life. But Billy Graham, he, he understood this. And so he came up at one point. He realized at the beginning of his ministry, you know, I see it all around. All these evangelists, televangelists, and all these scandals that are popping up everywhere. And he told his, his team, he said, you know what? We're not leaving this room until we, we figure out what are some things that we need to be completely vulnerable and transparent about together. I need, I need to be accountable to you, and you need to be accountable to me. And they sat in this room, it's called the, it was called, it ended up being called the uh, Modesto Manifesto. They came up with four virtues, four virtues. They realized if they were to ever hope to be able to fulfill the call of God in their life, it was these four things, financial accountability, moral integrity, respect for the local pastors and churches, and truth in publicity. And really what it was, it was an attack on ever being tempted by power, money, sex, and pride. And it doesn't matter. We're not preaching to the masses. But God has placed people in our path that if we're not faithful, if we're not walking in integrity like Pastor Luis encouraged us through Psalm 15, then then we may miss the mark of what God's called us to do for this person. And so... Uh, that's why we encourage you. And, and man, it has been so encouraging. Last week, we, we started our, our fall groups. Do you know, over 118 people signed up. It's so exciting. That's 63% of our, of our church. And so man, it's so encouraging. Um, and so if you haven't signed up yet, I encourage you to do so. What counts is that you run it faithfully. And week after week, be a part of it because you're going to make friends. You're going to make uh, uh, connections with people that are running the race with you. You're going to encourage each other. You're going to help each other. And that's what it's about. Choose who you run with. And finally, to fulfill the call of God in your life, I saw this in Billy Graham's life, stay on track. Stay on track. You know, in those 60 years, it was amazing to me how his message stayed the same. We can be so tempted in an effort to be relevant, to just, to just twist things a little bit or, 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 or say things in a different way, but it was amazing to me how his message, the words that came out of his mouth, stayed the same. The simple gospel, And this consistency, you'd think maybe that, oh, well, then he'll just be able to reach a certain group of people. No. His consistency made Billy a valuable witness in all areas, all parts of the world, but even in areas you wouldn't think of. Do you know that TV hosts love to have him on their show? And not because he would compromise in an effort to be one of them. No. He never sugarcoated the gospel. But he brought love. He brought attention. You know, when he would go, one of the TV hosts remembers that when he would come into a room, you know, most celebrities, they would just like suck the air out of the room and it's all about them. But Billy, he would come, the first thing he would do is just listen to them. And it meant so much to them. I think it's important that we understand we have a role to play in this world, but no compromise. It's the difference in us that's going to be leading others to Christ, not us trying to be like them. And so such occasion came, and I actually was able to hear this, this, uh, this moment. It was on, on TV, I think it was in the 1950s, and he, he's with a TV host, and he is just proclaiming the gospel, and he ends by saying, and all have sinned and need forgiveness of God, and in that moment, there's just an awkward silence, and he's sitting there with the TV host. And so Billy, without skipping a beat, he breaks the tension saying, hey, Phil, you know you really blushed there. And everybody started laughing. It just kind of like brought the the tension down. But the message was preached. The message was loud and clear. Once he was on Larry King Live, national television, and Larry King, he asked him this question. He says, so what's your purpose? What's your purpose? Billy never detracted from, from his message. First word to come out of his mouth, he says, God. He says, God said, go into the whole world and proclaim this message that God loves people He's interested in people. He wants to help them in their present situation, and he wants to save their souls. No matter how secular or non-religious the topic, he never got off message. He stayed on track. And that message was directly tied to his passion for people. He really had a passion for people, and he cared for them on and off screen, and it didn't matter who, how big or small. Do you know that every president since Truman had his ear behind closed doors? It's amazing the opportunity he had, but he knew how to bring comfort to a position riddled with stress. He also didn't shy away from any crisis and boldly proclaimed the gospel through the crisis. So really, the two main crises that he had in his lifetime during his ministry would have been what had happened during the time with Martin Luther King and racism or even communism. And he was invited once to uh, Russia to talk to this this big group of religious leaders. It was actually going to be used as propaganda against the United States. And Billy accepted it, and there was some criticism because of that. But as he spoke, the first words that come out of his mouth, once again, it all had to do with the gospel. It all had to do with God's love. He never deterred from the message. Stay on track. His heart for people crossed gender, race, and social status. He once was quoted for saying this, although people and cultures are different, the needs of the human heart are the same. That's what gave him reason and desire to go all over the world because the needs of the human heart are the same wherever he would go. And so whether he was preaching, and here's a picture once in the, the Paris uh, um, stadium called Bercy, and that's in Paris in 1985, or whether it was, in a, I saw this, a small room in Aradia, Romania, where everybody would try to gather to hear what this man had to say, whether hanging from uh, trees or listening from rooftops. In the later years, he didn't just want to be God's voice, though. He really wanted the ministry to be his ha- God's hands and God's feet. After all, as he would read through scripture, as he did daily, he didn't want to just be God's voice, but his hands and feet, because he saw Jesus was always in the middle of the suffering, and so he would too. And so he realized the responsibility that he had, and so when it first started, uh, when he decided to do this, it was in India in 1977, when a, a great cyclone killed tens of thousands. He was there, loving on the people, just being there, just showing Christ's love, whether it was that or all the way even till fairly recently with the 9-11 tragedy in 2001, where he had the opportunity to speak in front of all these officials, and again on national TV, and guess what? What were the words that came out? What was the message? He stayed on track. God cares for us. The Bible says. The cross tells us. Man, what an incredible journey. What an incredible race. But you know the true witness for me, and I can say it because... He has finished his race. We haven't finished it yet. So we're we're doing our best to be firm in the faith and fulfill the call. But he finished his race. To me, the true witness isn't just how you run. It's how you finish. To Take any race, the the 100-meter race. You can run as fast as you want. You can be the best runner. You can be leaps ahead of everybody else. But if at 90 meters you fall and trip and never get up again, what does it matter? The most important thing about a race is that you cross the finish line. So yeah, be firm in the faith so you can fulfill the call of God in your life so you can finish well. His last recorded message, once again, there's that consistency. He starts off looking into the camera. And, uh, with, with you know, He's now very old. And he says, I want to tell people about the meaning of the cross. As he continues to share the gospel. He goes on to say, the older I get, the more I cling to that hope that I started with many years ago. I have confidence as I stand in this moment that there's nothing between me and the Savior because Christ has forgiven my sins. I know why I'm here. I know where I'm going, and I don't have any doubts about it. Can we say that? We should be able to. And then he says this, and he's very famous for this quote. He says, someday you'll hear that Billy Graham is dead. Don't you believe it? I'll be more alive than I am now. I will have just changed addresses, that's all. Billy Graham died at the age of 99 years old on February 21st, 2018, almost 100 years old. A whole nation cried when TV constantly talked about it for days on end. Millions across the world, including myself, thanked God for his life. His legacy continues through those that he's inspired, but those that he's inspired from far away, but also from close. You know, it's a testament of faithfulness when your family is backing you up and your family is only having good things to say about you because that's where you're really seen. Now listen, he wasn't perfect. We said it at the beginning, but he pointed to the one who is. Now listen, you're not perfect, but you can point to the one who is. Mitch McConnell, the Senate Majority Leader at the time, said this at his funeral. I love this. He said, Billy Graham lifted up our nation, not because he occupied the spotlight so masterfully, but because he knew he wasn't the one who belonged in it. He was just a happy instrument in the hands of his creator. I love this quote because I realize it seems like, over these last few weeks, it seems like humility is a desired trait in all these witnesses we've been inspired by. But it's, it's no wonder, because they've been simply modeling Christ. And who was more humble than Christ? No one. Philippians chapter 2, verse 5, we read, and Paul says this, Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. Now here, here he is talking about Jesus and says, Who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant. Being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Us being firm in the faith, us fulfilling the call, us finishing well, is us simply being obedient to God, just like Jesus was. Band, you can come up, but I'm not finished yet. I want to share a couple more things. The question is then, do you want to finish well? Looking at Billy Graham's life, hey, do you want to finish well? Well, then fulfill the call of God in your life. Okay, well, how can I fulfill the call of God in my life? Start by being firm in the faith. One thing I realized is that you want to finish well, really you need to start well. But here's the good news, because some of us could be like, well, I think it's too late for me, and there's no way. I, I rely on God's word that says that his mercies are new every morning. And this could be your decision. Remember, I said at the beginning, using Psalm 1, you're here in this race in fact, Hebrews chapter 9 verse 7 says, what made you stop running? So you're here in this race, you're running, your eyes are fixed on Jesus, but, but maybe at some point you started to walk, like I said. And then walking led you to stop, and stopping led you to sit on the sidelines. And, and now you've gotten, wh- whatever it may be, spiritually lazy or rebellious or um, cautious or whatever it may be, suspicious. And you're just, you just don't have that same fire that you used to have spirit of god says like come back to your first love do you remember your first love maybe some here you have yet to discover that i don't know where you are on this race but i guarantee you that it's the same for everyone that it's it's a fact it's a race and jesus is at the end of it where you are depends on you are you running or are you sitting on the sidelines either way that's how you finish the race with jesus waiting the other side. Jesus doesn't just wait though. If you call to him, he comes over, he picks you up. He is the author and the perfecter of your faith. And so look to him, because he's the one that saves us and leads us. His mercies are new every morning, so this could be your fresh start today. Yeah, I've fallen. Okay, then get up this morning. This could be your fresh start today. So I began this morning with the very words that led me to dedicate my life to Christ 34 years ago. I, want, I stopped though in the middle. I wanted to read what, then, what he said after. And it was after this that I, I decided and I couldn't wait to just come to Jesus and pour out my heart to him. So just maybe if you even want, just close your eyes. And listen, I'm, I chose to read word for word what he says. Because he may be in heaven, but the spirit of God is alive and well the spirit that inspired these words can be an encouragement to you. Billy Graham said, it's a supernatural work of God in our hearts when we repent of our sins and receive Christ as Savior. The Bible calls it being born again. You can't inherit it. You can be born in a Christian home that doesn't make you a Christian. You can go to church that doesn't make you a Christian. You can get baptized. That's not enough. You must be born again. It's much like a natural birth. There's a moment of conception, months of gestation, and the actual birth. Today might be the moment of conception for you, or another step in gestation, or the actual birth. If there's one thing I would like you to remember, that whatever you've done, whatever your condition, whoever you are, God loves you. And because he's God, he can concentrate on you and your needs as though you're the only person in the whole world. Just like when you go to die, you're alone before him. When you come to Christ, that's a decision you have to make. Deep in your heart, you're not sure of a relationship with Christ. I invite you to come. To come is the outward act to God and man of an inward commitment. Well, guys, that's when I took that action, 34 years ago. And I've never looked back since. So what about you? Where are you on this race? Maybe some of you are saying, wow, I don't know Jesus. I need him. I want to know him. I and mean, Maybe others are saying, I was in church all my life. I never really took it seriously. Man, I, this was just religion. Or others would say, oh, no, I, I believed, I believed, but man, I got distracted, I got distracted, and I must admit, I, I, I think I may be stopped if not sitting down, I need to get up again. I need to run this race. I don't know where you're at. And God does not judge. He never condemns, but he will convict. And conviction leads to salvation. And so I don't know where you are this morning, but I wanted to give us... An opportunity. Like I said, no excuses for how long we've been walking with Christ. I always have checkups where I'm like, God, I'm I'm coming back to you. Man, I got distracted this week. I'm coming back to you, and so maybe these words this morning are encouraging you to do that. I encourage you to make that step of faith. I'm gonna, I'm going to uh, to pray in, in just a just a minute, but. I want you to to come forward. We're going to have prayer teams and, and just open your heart and maybe you just want to come forward just to make that stand just like Billy did when he placed the Bible in a symbolic way and then just put his faith in Christ and in the word that you would just take a stand even if it's just a step forward in your seat but that you would maybe do something that could be a new start for you today to run our race in a way that we finish well. How can we finish well? By starting well. So let's start today. I love the fact that God is the God of second chances. He always offers that second chance to our last breath. So let's take it. So how can we start well? Three things. Repent, receive, and I like the word relinquish. Repent, receive, relinquish. Repent from your sins. That means to turn around, to say, I'm sorry, God, for what I did. I turn around now. I turn towards you. I was, I was walking backwards. I'm now back on you, focused on you. And again, maybe some of you never were running. You were just sitting on the side this whole time, and now you're coming alive in Christ. You're realizing, I need you, Jesus. And so repent. Repent from your sins. Come to him. But maybe some here... You've done that. You say, I've done that. Okay, then repent for not being all in. After you repent, what do you do? By faith, you receive Christ. You re- receive Christ as the gift. He offers his forgiveness. And maybe you say, yeah, but I've done that. Okay, then receive Christ and the power that is in him so you can live free and you can live for him. Repent, receive or rel- relinquish control. What I mean by that is we usually, the Bible says that to confess him as, as, as Savior and Lord. And the reality is that many of us, we, we do confess him as Savior, but our lives show we don't necessarily confess him as Lord. So relinquish control. You can come this morning and say, God, I've repented or I'm repenting and, and, and God, I, I receive you and I receive your power, but God, now I want to just give it all to you. I relinquish control. Lead my life. Take take it all right now. I want to live for you. So with all heads bowed, let me just pray. Before that, I just want to read this passage I read in Philippians chapter three, verse 13 and 14. It says, one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining toward what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Lord, thank you so much for every person here in this room, everyone uh, listening online lord and um we just come before you god um we've been inspired by uh by this uh, hero of the faith that has gone before us lord but man our eyes are fixed on you lord we are the one that you are the one that we model after you are the one that we uh are running towards but you're also the one we need lord so, Lord, wherever we may be right now, whether we're sitting on the sidelines or we're, we've fallen down or we're just at a standstill or we're walking backwards, whatever it may be, God, like, like wake us up. Holy Spirit, come and speak to our hearts and wake us up. Lead us in your path, everlasting God, as we repent, as we receive you, and as we relinquish all control.